Good morning, Harvest Church. We're so excited that you're here with us today. We invite you to stand and wish a very happy Mother's Day to all of you moms out there.
great. Awesome. Welcome to church, everybody. How are we doing? Good? All right. Awesome. Um, well, I just want to say uh, thank you so much uh, to all the moms out there. We love you and all that you've, <clears throat> all that you've done in our lives. Uh, it's just such, it's such an uh, example of the gospel, I think, and selfless giving and love constantly, um, even when you don't get it back sometimes. And so um, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, also, we've got M6 coming up tomorrow night for men. So if you uh, want to join us for that, it's out at Thousand Hills Ranch at 6. Um, and then we've got e email updates. So if you want to keep up to date with just things that are happening around the church, you can sign up for email updates by going uh, by the info center or signing up online at the Connect tab. And uh, the final thing is that we have an uh, exciting update about the worship center uh, an opening date next week. So you want to be here next week to hear about when we're going to officially be opening. So um, so stay tuned, you know. So come back next week, you know, and you'll hear about it. All right. Uh, Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for um, just this season that we're in. And uh, thank you for the mothers that are in the house today. Um, we just pray a, a special blessing on them. God, uh, we just ask that you would bless them with more uh, energy and favor and uh, just the ability to minister to the, the kids and the, the people who are like children to them in their lives, Lord. Um, we just love them so much. Uh, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would minister today over each, each person here. God, we, we're here for you. We want to hear from you. And uh, Lord, we, wanna, we want you to change our lives. We want you to minister to us. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Church, this morning we're going to sing a newer song that talks about the power of the name of the Lord. He is so powerful. He is so mighty. And he is present when we call on his name. Would you sing this out with me? There's a name that levels mountains, carves out highways through the sea. I've seen its power unravel shackles right in front of me. There's a faith that stands defiant.
you are all powerful and you are all good. We worship you in this place. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, you can go ahead and have a seat and direct your attention to the screens. We have a Mother's Day video. Just give me one second. Thank sure. you, sorry. Uh-huh. Hey, hi. Two minutes. Thank you. Hi, good afternoon. Sorry about hey, that. Hey, Lori. Hi, nice Hi. to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Have you ever done one of these interviews over the camera before? No. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the job to get started with. It's not just um, a job, it's sort of probably the most important job. Uh, the title that we have going right now is Director of Operations, but it's really kind of so much more than that. Responsibilities and requirements are, are really quite extensive. Uh, first category for the requirements would be mobility. This job requires that you must be able to work standing up most or really all of the time, uh, constantly on your feet, constantly bending over, constantly exerting yourself, a high level of stamina. Uh, uh, okay. That's a lot. For how many, like, for how many hours? Uh, 135 hours to unlimited hours a week. It's basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm sure you'll have a chance from time to time to maybe just sit down here and there, yeah? Uh, you mean like a break? Yeah. Uh, no, there are no breaks available. Is, th is that even legal? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, yeah. so like no lunch? You can or... have lunch, but only when the associate is done eating their lunch. Uh. I think that's a little intense. No, no not possible. That's crazy. Now, this position requires excellent negotiation and interpersonal skill. We're really looking for someone that might have a degree in uh, medicine, in finance, and the culinary arts. You must be able to wear several hats. Associate needs constant attention. Sometimes they have to stay up with an associate throughout the night. Being able to work in a chaotic environment, if you, if you had a life, we'd ask you to sort of give that life up. No vacations. In fact, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and holidays, the workload is gonna go up, and we demand that with, with a happy disposition. Uh, that's almost cruel. <laughs> that's almost a, a very, very sick, twisted joke. But when there's time to sleep or... Oh, no time to sleep. Yeah, all-encompassing, all almost. That's exactly right. 365 days a year? Yes. No, that's, that's inhumane. That's, that's very insane. The meaningful connections that you make and the, the feeling that you get from really helping your associate are immeasurable. Also, let's cover the salary. The position is going to pay absolutely nothing. Excuse me? No. Nobody's doing that for free. Yeah, pro bono. <laughs> Completely for free. No! What if I told you there's someone that actually currently uh, holds this position right now? Billions of people, actually. Who? Moms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moms. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh! <laughs> And they meet every requirement, oh, don't wow. they? Oh my God, moms are the best. Yeah, there's no pay. They're 24 hours. They're always there. Now I'm thinking about my mom. Yeah, and what are you thinking about her? I'm thinking about all those nights and everything. Thank you so much for everything you do. I know it doesn't seem like I appreciate all of it, but I definitely do. So, mom, I want to say thank you for everything that you've done. I love you very much. You've been there through thick and thin. My mom is just awesome. She's awesome.
so when I first saw that video, uh, kind of like you guys, I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really tracking with this. And, and then, of course, as he gets into it, you go, oh, okay, I, I, I understand now. And uh, so I know Curtis prayed for moms just a little bit ago, but I want to make a couple comments. I want to pray for moms as well. And especially for moms that, as the gal mentioned, that are in the thick of it. So thick of it meaning you got little ones that are at home right now and they outnumber you. And so my wife and I, um, so one child was, you know, doable. Two kids, pretty challenging. Three kids, it's out of control. By the fourth, it's like, eh, I get, I get, yeah, they outnumber us, so it doesn't even matter anymore. Uh, but uh, so a couple months ago, I don't know how long ago, I was going through, heading home, going through the radio dial stations, and uh, I came across this country western song. I don't listen to a lot of country, but this one really captured my attention, and it's by Trace Atkins, and the name of it is You're Gonna Miss This. And of course, having been through the child rearing, and mainly I'm, I'm talking about my wife predominantly, and, and looking back, so our kids are all, all grown now, and, and uh, you know, so to moms that are in the thick of it, you're going to miss this. I know right now it's, it's overwhelming, there's, there's no question, but I do want to say this, uh, the investment that you're making in your kids, it is an eternal investment that will uh, bring about phenomenal rewards and, and getting through this time in life where the kids are little and, and it seems to be just getting through one day at a time is, is just monumental. Um, not only will you miss this, uh, but in the, in the course of time, uh, you're making investment that, that God will reward and, and the fruit of your labor is, is going to be, um, in, it's going to impact not only your kids, but, but other people. Uh, you know, we're, we're really investing in the next generation. So that's what you're doing, moms. You're investing in the next generation. And so good job. Keep up the good work. God will give you all that you need as you're going through this time. And so, Lord, I, I just agree with Curtis that you would indeed just pour out your spirit upon moms in particular, especially those that have little ones at home right now that just are struggling to get through each day, wondering, am I doing this right? Or feeling like I'm failing at motherhood. Lord, breathe into them a fresh uh, confidence, a fresh uh, just... Uh, understanding that you are with them and, and you are the one ultimately that is, that is investing uh, in those kids through, through the mothers, through moms. So Lord, bless them. Give them all that we need. Uh, we just stand in agreement with, with you and uh, we bless you and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. amen. So good morning. My name's Ron and it's my privilege to share God's word with you today. Pastor Steve is away for a little bit, getting a, um, I guess I can tell you this, he's not out of town, so that's, that would be considered a staycation, right? Okay, so um, what I want to talk about today, we're actually going to finish up the book of Hebrews, so if you want to turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, we're going to be in chapter 13, so Pastor Steve ended up last week in chapter 13, verse 16, so I'm going to pick it up in verse 17. 
And so if you have your, your physical Bible with you, if you want to turn to it on your tablet, whatever device you choose to use. So the subject, the main topic of what I want to talk about today is healthy church leadership. Healthy church leadership. And there's really two verses that I want to focus on and sort of bring out this idea of healthy church leadership. And they are verses 17. So Hebrews 13, 17. And then we're going to jump back just a little bit, 10 verses right before that in verse 7. I want to look at those two verses primarily and, and, and look and see what what the writer of Hebrews has to say about healthy church leadership. And so, Lord, as we open up your word, as we dive into the scriptures, Lord, we, we expect you to teach us, to uh, instruct us. Our hearts are open to you. We uh, desire to grow and to mature and to become the men of God, the women of God that you desire for us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, just a, a P.S., I was struggling with a cold earlier this week. I'm not contagious, okay? So, um, and I took a COVID test. I don't have COVID. And so bear with me if I, if I seem just a little congested, that's why. So Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says this. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And then the, the verse that coincides with that, if you go up just a little, verse seven, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. So again, we're talking about church leadership today, those who rule over, the, over us, those who lead us. Um, you know, at first glance, looking at this, it might seem a little bit self-serving. So what do I mean by that? So the writer of the book of Hebrews is himself a church leader, and he's challenging the church, church people, to submit and obey church leaders. So it's almost like, uh, in fact, I'm glad Steve's gone today, because now I can talk freely about him as, as, as our lead pastor. Um, in fact, I think it's, it's more appropriate that I would talk about this rather than, than him because it might seem self-serving that he would be talking about, you know, obeying and submitting to church leaders. And so um, I don't mind talking behind Steve's back today. Uh, maybe that's not the right words, but, you know, he, he can watch it. He might be watching it right now. I don't know. He can, you know, it's archived. He can go back and watch it, watch it later. So I want to talk about church leadership. Uh, um, and in, in light of this, a couple things we have to think about. First of all, before Jesus went to the cross, just very soon before he went to the cross, there's this prayer that's recorded in John chapter 17. And he prays. Uh, for a number of things, he's praying for the disciples that he'd spent over three years with, but he also is looking down through generations, through human history, and he's actually praying for us as well. This is what he says in John chapter 17, beginning with verse 20. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, talking about the disciples' word, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. 
And so everything that we're gonna talk about as far as church leadership, it has to do with the, the oneness that, that Jesus prayed for. There, there's meant to be a unity in the body of Christ that is so supernatural, so desirable, that even, even as unbelievers who don't know Jesus experience what we get to experience in the community of believers, it, it, it is compelling in and of itself to want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. So number one, church leadership is God's idea. So this isn't something that, you know, people put together and said, okay, we got this church thing going on now, and beginning with the early church, let's see how we can figure out to, you know, create some sort of hierarchy and leadership model to do this. Church leadership, it's God's idea. So if we look at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 11, you guys are probably very familiar with this verse. It says, he himself, so God himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. It's for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So when we talk about church leadership, um, Number one, it's God's idea. And number two, in terms of, of what church leadership looks like, we need to look to Jesus as he laid out for us this style for leadership or, or the responsibilities for those who lead the church. So in Matthew chapter, sorry, in Mark chapter four, they were having this conversation, the disciples, and they're, and they're walking, they're together, spend a lot of time together, and they're having these conversations about various things, and, and it was not uncommon for the disciples to sort of, you know, banter among themselves and say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be the main leader, I'm going to sit next to Jesus in his kingdom, you know, I'm going to be above, and, you know, there was this, this uh, challenging one another about who's, who's going to be the best, the best leader. And so Jesus called the disciples together, Mark chapter 10, verse 42, and he said to them, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what do we see here? Well, secondly, we see that a, that a church leader is first and foremost a servant leader. So the church then, talking about this idea of leadership in the church, it's not meant to have a corporate structure where the pastor is at the top and everyone else is, is below the leader, the pastor. The pastor is supposed to serve the church as an example of how Christ laid, laid down his life for the church. So a church leader is a servant leader. So what does servant leadership look like? So picture this, it's, uh, it's the Last Supper, it's the last meal, the last Passover celebration that Jesus is spending with his disciples. It's, um, you know, a precious time. He knows right after this meal, he's going to go to the garden, he's going to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, he's going to be beaten and scourged, 
and he's gonna go to the cross and give his life for the world, the sins of the world the next day. And so in that upper room experience in John chapter 13, beginning with verse four, it says, Jesus got up from the table and he took off his robe and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin and then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that he had around him. And after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow and, and do as I have done to you. So he's speaking to his disciples, which would go on to be initially the leadership within the early church. He's talking to church leaders here, future church leaders, and he's giving them this example, which was in that culture, in that day, the only one that would wash someone's feet when they come into their home would be a slave, would be a servant. It was like the lowest of the low. And so he's giving them this example um, of, of servant leadership. And so as we think about this, Christian leaders are called by God to serve, not to be served. Church leaders are called by God to take the very lowest position and not the highest position. And again, all this kind of seems counterintuitive. And I don't know how long you guys have been around churches, in, in various churches in your, in your walk with the Lord. Uh, often we experience all kinds of church styles of leadership in various churches that might not look anything like this. But I'm just, I'm giving us, this is, this is biblical church leadership. So now let's talk about Pastor Steve. <laughs> so uh, I've served with Steve. I've been on staff here for 14 years. And so I've had a chance to spend a lot of time with Steve. Uh, we, 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 you know, we served together. And in fact, sometimes there's this question about, about title. So Pastor Steve goes by the title uh, lead pastor. Um, I'm, I have the title associate pastor. And then, uh, you, know, you know, sometimes... So if you ever wonder, what's the difference between, you know, the lead pastor, the associate pastor, and assistant pastor? I mean, I don't understand. So basically, an assistant pastor is someone who's kind of in training, a pastor in training, who's assisting those who are, are leading. An associate pastor, which is what I am, and, and, and we have others on staff that are associates as well, is we're basically sort of at the same level as, as Steve, but we're, we're, we're assisting in the ministry at the same level, because one person can't do it all. And so, Pastor Steve, as the lead pastor, he's the main, the main leader that we look to as we talk about servant leadership. So before I started working at Harvest Church uh, 14 years ago, um, I knew Steve and Jolene quite well because our kids went to school together at Coastal Christian, and he was serving another church in the community as, as, as I was. So we got to know each other in different pastor gatherings, and, and I, always, I always liked Steve. He's always a friendly guy. But, you know, when, when you're friends with someone and now you're working for this person, it, it's not always the same, right? Uh, fortunately, my experience in working with Pastor Steve has really been phenomenal. It's been wonderful. 
So Pastor Steve has set a good example uh, for me. He set a good example, I feel, for us. And, and we talk about, as I mentioned earlier, church leaders are called to serve, not to be served. Church leaders are called by God to take the very lowest position and not the highest position. Here's, here's how Steve operates. If something needs to get done, he just gets it done. If he's walking around the property and he sees, you know, there's some trash that's spilled out over here, whatever, he just gets in there, he picks it up, and he gets it done. Um, some of this is so, I don't know, commonplace, but, you know, if a toilet overflows, he'll get the plunger and he'll plunge it, okay? Um, if someone needs visiting, if someone's hurting, he's there for them as much as he, as, as he can be. Whatever the need is, Pastor Steve takes care of it. So what that has done for us as a, as, a, as a team, as a church staff, is it set a good example for us in that we're just working together, we're serving God together, we're serving God's people, and whatever needs to get done to serve God's people, that's what we're gonna do. And we help each other. You know, yeah, we, we each have job description, but, but our job description, when it's all said and done, is we're just helping uh, serve God's people together. We're willing to do, you know, whatever it takes. In Romans chapter 12, there's this picture past, uh, that, 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 that the apostle Paul is giving. In Romans chapter 12, he says, I want you to rejoice with those who rejoice, and I want you to weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble and do not be wise in your own opinion. I think that's a good example of Pastor Steve. He is approachable. He is, he's not full of himself. In fact, a lot of the times when he shares things from the pulpit, I'm like, why are you talking about that? So, <laughs> Steve, keep some things private. <laughs> he just doesn't do that. <laughs> He's not full of himself. He's, he's, he's one of us. So what that means is, yes, we, we see the position that God has put on Pastor C, but he's very relatable. You can, you can come up. You can talk to him. He's, he's one of us. And what you see is what you get. Uh, I've traveled all over the world with Steve, been to Israel a number of times with him and different, different ministry times and things. And, you know, what you see is what you get. He's just the same um, in public as he is in private, or in private as he is in public. So again, I'm looking at Hebrews chapter 13, verses 17, and, and then verse 7 again. So back to verse 7 for a moment. It says, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith you should follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. So those who have spoken the word of God to you. Again, I'm talking about church leadership. Number three, a church leader, among other things, is primarily a Bible teacher. What is a Bible teacher? It is one who affirms and reaffirms the things that God has spoken in his word. That would be in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Um, they, they rightly divide the word of truth. They, they help make sense of what the scripture says so that it's understandable to us. It's relatable to us. We see how God's word applies in our lives personally. In thinking about this, so uh, the Apostle Paul, one of his um, 
people that he was a great mentor to was Timothy. And Timothy actually was a pastor himself, a church leader at, at the church in Ephesus that Paul founded. So he's talking to Timothy here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and he says this. He says, I charge you, Timothy, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Here's what he says to Timothy. Preach the word. Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. So a church leader, among other things, is primarily a Bible teacher. And so in thinking about that, a couple of comments. If your pastor is a man of God who is teaching the word of God then you are to obey the word of God as he has given it to you. Another comment. A Bible teacher should teach us to submit to God, not to himself. Being a pastor, a church leader, is kind of a dangerous thing because, you know, you're typically in front of a lot of people and you can get a lot of influence and you can get in this place where it, it can be, Lord, I'm building my kingdom. You know, these are my people. That's not what it's about at all. Again, we're talking about leadership. A Bible teacher should teach us to submit to God and not to himself. So back to verse seven again, whose faith you should follow. So number four, church leaders should be an example to those they are leading. Church leaders should be an example to those they are leading. And again, Paul's exhorting Timothy, who's the pastor of the church in Ephesus. He was a young man, and he's got this big responsibility there. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 12, he says this to him. He says, be an example. Be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. He says, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, and do not neglect the gift that is in you. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So the one, uh, another thing I really appreciate about Steve is he's, he's intentional about growing in his maturity, in his understanding of the Bible. And in fact, um, you know, not that many years ago, I don't know, he decided, you know, I, I need to get my, my Bible education uh, finished. He hadn't finished it up, up to that point. And so he went back to Bible school and he got his degree in, you know, in ministry, in, in theology, and then, and then he followed it up with a master's, I believe. So why, why was he doing that? He, he was doing that for himself, but he, he's also doing it for us. So that kind of like Paul's telling Timothy, so that your progress may be evident. So imagine, so uh, Pastor Steve and Jolene, they, they planted the church 19 years ago, and you know, as a pastor, and you're up in front of people a lot, you kind of say, you can repeat yourself a lot. And he, if he's not growing in the word and in his spiritual life personally, it's like he doesn't really have a lot of fresh stuff to give to us. But because he's intentional about growing in his own personal walk with the Lord, it's like there's, there's more that comes out. 
There's more depth to him. And he gets to continue to help us grow, even those of us that have been, you know, under his leadership for decades. And that's a wonderful thing. And so um, Peter, he's also on the same point. First Peter chapter 5, verse 2, it says, he says, speaking to leaders, he says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being an example, being examples to the flock. Now, granted, uh, Pastor Steve, he's, he's not a perfect example. He's got flaws, just like we all have flaws. But he's honest and open about those flaws, which I really appreciate about, appreciate about him. He's a work in process, just like we're a work in process, right? And that's why he's relatable. Oh, he's just like me, going through trials and struggles and, you know, ups and downs in life. So again, back to verse 7 and, and, and in verse 17 as well, it says that we are to obey them. We're, we're to obey church leaders and to submit to them. So obey and submit, those are tough words. Again, the writer of Hebrews, I want you to obey them and I want you to be submissive to them. So what is he talking about there? So both these words can be difficult. What does this mean and why should we obey and submit to church leaders? Well, what that really means is this, that we're called to listen to them, you know, give attention to what they're saying, not only in their word, but in their life, in their example. We're to listen and we're to yield. I, I hear what you're saying and I, and I want to do what you're doing. I want to follow. I want to follow your lead. One of the ways I believe you can really tell a good a church leader is, is people are following them. They don't have to follow them. But they are following them because there's something there that they desire to follow about them and about their teaching, about their life. So to obey and, and submit really means I'm, I want to follow your leadership. I want to submit to your leadership. And again, back to verse 17. Why? Because it says church leaders, they watch out for your soul and they must give an account to God for their leadership. So number five, church leaders are watching out for your soul. So what does that mean? Well, Jesus, you know, is commonly described in the Bible as a shepherd. In fact, he's often called the chief shepherd. And church leaders, if you really think about it, what they are, they're, they're under shepherds. Jesus is the head of the church. He's the chief shepherd. Church leaders just fall underneath that. They're under shepherds. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd cares for the flock. A shepherd cares for God's people, watching out for them, watching out for the flock, protecting the flock, loving the flock, pouring their lives into God's people, the flock. A little bit about this in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. It says, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, again, he's talking about God's people, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So this is a work of the Holy Spirit in the leader. To shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now think about the responsibility of that. Jesus shed his blood 
to set us free from the law of sin and death. So we're free in Christ. And now these under-shepherds come along and they are to nurture us and help us grow in that walk where God has purchased us with his own blood, the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. So again, a church leader in, in our kind of day and age is, is commonly called the pastor. But actually, a better translation of that word in the scripture, the word pastor, is the word shepherd. In fact, there's only one occasion in the New Testament where, where the word is translated pastor. Everywhere else in the New Testament, it's translated shepherd. So that's what a, a church leader does. They shepherd us. They shepherd the flock. They watch out for your soul. And they must give an account to God for their leadership. Number six, church leaders must give an account to God for their leadership. In other words, church leaders, church leadership, it is, it is a stewardship. A stewardship. What do I mean by that? So in Titus chapter 1, Beginning with verse 7, it's, he's talking about a bishop. Now, a bishop is an overseer, a church leader. It says, a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God. Not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, and self-controlled. Those are big shoes to fill. So that's the, the qualifications of church leaders. And it's a, a stewardship, a steward of God. In another place, Paul talks about this. He says, moreover, it is required among stewards that a man be found faithful. Paul talks more about this in 2 Corinthians 5.10. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, every one of us, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So a church leader, who's someone who's called to that position to lead God's people, the flock of God, Pastor Steve has to give an account for his leadership. Any, any church leader has to give an account to God for their leadership. In verse 17, let them do so with joy and not with grief. <laughs> so to, to some degree, I don't know how much, um, as Pastor Steve stands before God and gives an account, we somehow play a part in that. Have we made his leadership, you know, easier? Or have we made his leadership much more difficult? Number seven, a church with godly leadership should be a place that is filled with the joy of the Lord, the love of God, and it is a profound blessing to be a part of this church, churches with good, godly church leaders. Again, Paul speaks to this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? It is not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. For you are our glory and joy. So Paul, the church leader, he's looking ahead and he's saying, you know, when, when we stand before God, when we are in his kingdom, you know what part of my crown of rejoicing is gonna be? It's gonna be you guys. Because I 
got to lead you, and you, you listened, you submitted, we all grew together, we're growing together, and now look at the reward that we have together in, in God's kingdom. So for those of you who are new, newer to Harvest Church, or maybe you're thinking about, do I want to get plugged in here or not? Um, or maybe you're here and you've you decided Harvest your, is your church home. Uh, here's what you should expect from those who lead us. This is sort of the culture, the culture of our church. Number one, we teach the Bible. Number two, we all serve together. So whether it's people that are on staff, the staff team, the volunteer team, those who are leading life groups or, or whatever function you may have, part you may have at Harvest Church, we're all serving together. There is no hierarchy where someone, you know, is higher. We're just serving God together. We strive to honor each other, to love each other, to show grace towards each other, patience towards each other. We take serving God very seriously while we try to have a lot of fun doing ministry together. Think about serving God and the impact that we have on people's lives. That, that's a serious thing. But, but we got to have a lot of joy and, and, and fun doing it at the same time. And lastly, at Harvest Church, we make it our aim to properly represent Jesus Christ to our community. That's so important. As Harvest Church, um, you guys probably know this already, but as, as we're out and about in the town and the community and we go to restaurants, we go to work, we go, you know, we're out and about doing our thing, people watch us. They watch you. They go, oh, I know them. Yeah, they, they go to Harvest Church. And then, and then they're thinking, they will never say this probably, but uh, if I ever wanted to be a Christian, do I want to be like that person? They want to know, are we representing Christ well in our community? And we can have a lot of impact on people who make that distance side. You know what? I like them. I love them. Um, I like what I see in them. I, w- I want to be a Christian like they are. So, and finally, kind of trying to wrap, wrap all this, as first, first Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12, he says, we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you, talking about church leaders, and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very, very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. So one of the, the side benefits, so the evidence of good church leadership is there is what he calls here peace among yourselves. You know, nobody wants a church full of drama and, you know, problems. You know, uh, just being at peace with one another, loving each other, enjoying what we get to do together as fellow believers in Christ. And he concludes, this is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 18 and 19. He concludes here, the writer of Hebrews. He says, pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things, desiring to live honorably, but I especially urge you to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. So he's saying, apparently he was someplace, maybe in jail, maybe in prison. He couldn't get back to the believers he's writing to. He says, could you pray for me? Because I want to get back to you. And he's, he's, what he's suggesting is their prayers actually have the, the power, the authority to get him out so that he could come back and spend time with his friends. 
So the writer of Hebrews believed that the prayers of God's people would open doors, open doors and bring down obstacles. Do you believe that today? The prayers of God's people will open doors and bring down obstacles that are in our way. So again, the writer of Hebrews, he's going to close out by, he wants to speak a blessing upon these people that he loves so much. He's praying for them. And I want to say this prayer that, that he's going to pray for them, it's for us as well. It's for you and me. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 22 through 22. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation, for, for I have written to you in few words. And lastly, he closes, know that our brother Timothy has been set free, with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. Amen. So I want to invite the worship team to come up at this time. And as, as I get ready to close, I just want to let you know about a conversation I had with somebody on Easter. So a month ago, a month ago already, Easter time, there was a gentleman there who I'd seen at church a number of times, and it was just a good opportunity before the service got started. I saw him, I said, hey, I got a question for you. Have you made the decision yet to give your life to Jesus Christ? And he said to me, he said, well, no, I haven't. He says, I'm, I'm what you would call an agnostic. So an agnostic is somebody who would basically say, by I don't know. I don't know if there is a God. I don't know, but I'm, I'm open. He says, I'm really kind of waiting to have this kind of like burning bush experience. I just want to have some big sign that God would, you know, where I can, where I can, I can believe in him. And I said, well, let me, let me give you a suggestion. Instead of doing that, why don't you do this instead? Just say, God, I want to believe and so I'm going to open up my heart to the reality that Jesus Christ is the Lord and that he went to the cross for me. And so, Lord, I'm going to open up my heart to you so that you can reveal yourself to me. Now, he didn't respond to that. He didn't say, yes, I'll do that or whatever. But here's where I want to go with this today. So I don't know where you are in your walk with, with the Lord uh, here in the sanctuary or in the loft or the patio or maybe streaming in online. But here's ultimately what, what I want to encourage you to do. And that is to, number one, admit to God that you have sinned against him. Acknowledge that there is a God who is righteous and holy and you've sinned against him and then you, what you do in fact, the word is repent. I want to turn. And secondly, believe that God has sent his son, Jesus, as the Messiah, to take upon himself uh, the penalty for your sin. That's what the gospel is all about. That's why it's called the good news. That God sent his son into the world to go to the cross and die and take upon himself our penalty, our judgment. 
And then the last thing I want to encourage all of us to do, but especially those of you who have not done it yet, is to confess to God that you have chosen to believe in the gospel. And that is, again, that's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ the Lord. And if you would do that, if you would acknowledge him and believe in him and confess him, even if you have areas in your life where, where you, you've got unbelief or I just need some proof or I don't know about this yet, I believe, and my experience has, has been, if you open up your heart to him, he will come in and the Holy Spirit will, will begin to take root in your life and, and your eyes will begin to be opened. Your spirit, your soul will begin to be open to the things of God and he will show you that he indeed is the Lord. Lord, we so thank you for um, what we get to experience as part of the church family, the church community, the flock of God. Lord, thank you. What a privilege it is to be part of your kingdom, to be part of this church, Harvest Church. Lord, we pray for Steve, those who uh, lead us. Lord, I pray for Steve that you would just continue to give him encouragement and strength and confidence and, and um, just that ability to endure and to just continue to be excited about the place that you have him, the role that you have him in as, as our leader. Lord, help, him to, help us to honor him. Help us to lift up his arms in the battle. Help us, Lord, as a, just a, a gathering of, of believers. Lord, we want to, most of all, we want to honor you, Lord. Help us to do that. Lord, what a joy and privilege it is to walk with you every day in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to continue to worship the Lord this morning. I see you taking ground. I see you press ahead. Your power is dangerous to the enemy's camp. You still do miracles. You will do what you said. For you're the same God now. Thank you, Jesus, for your power. Thank you that you are mighty. 
Thank you that you are holy. God, we thank you for leadership. We thank you for church leadership. We thank you for your scripture that gives us direction and your Holy Spirit that gives us insight. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.